Hey, so what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of Slap the Ass Show. I'm here with my co-host, Luke Knaus. My name is Jimmy Letty, um, based right here in Philadelphia. Um, and we're really just trying to dive into this concept of financial freedom. I think the 2020 pandemic with the coronavirus kind of brought about a lot of uh, insecurities with people, particularly about their employment status, as well as like the uh, ability to gain wealth. We saw stock markets go way up. We saw cryptocurrencies right. go up. A lot of assets get inflated. Um, so I feel like the whole uh, purpose of the show is to try to teach people as well as uh, share with them the journey Luke and I are going on to achieve financial freedom. Um, our main focus is going to be about stocks, cryptocurrency, real estate, as well as entrepreneurial ventures. And we have a lot of cool guests, a lot of cool friends that we have that are engaging in all these types of avenues. And we would love to share with you and really, uh, you know, make sure everyone gets uh, pretty rich as uh, time goes on. You know, the iron exactly. is hot, so we got to strike. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, my name's Luke Knaus. I'm the co-host with Jimmy Letty. It's the first episode of the Slap the Ass show. And the entire purpose of this show is to talk about... OTC markets, number one, crypto, and how to gain financial freedom through those two avenues. And I think right now we're going to talk a little bit about who we are and how we got to where we are right now. So, Jimmy, if you want to start with how did we first meet? <laughs> so, Luke and I uh, both were on the track team at uh, the University of Pennsylvania. We graduated class of 2018, but we first met in the summer of 2014 through the new student orientation. I was recruited to the team as a hammer thrower. Luke was recruited as a javelin thrower. And um, I remember just thinking like, oh, like, you know, we had our, uh, like our emails come in about all the new recruits, all the new freshmen on the team. So I made it a point to try and meet Luke considering we're gonna be partners. You know, we're roughly on the throw squad. Right. So Luke and I met in August, 2014 in my dorm room. And since that point, we've been pretty good friends. Uh, right. We now live together. In Philadelphia, six years, seven years later. Holy crap. So time flies when you're having fun. Um, Yeah, so just to reiterate, we were a class of 2018 at uh, the University of Pennsylvania. And Jimmy was a Wharton School of Business graduate, majored in uh, economics with concentration, what was it? Well, technically everyone gets a BS in economics, but the concentration is the important part. Mine was in OID, which is information, or operations, information, and decisions. Right. And then I majored in philosophy, politics, and economics uh, with a minor in uh, political science. And after freshman year, I ended up switching to decathlon. So Jim was a hammer thrower. I did decathlon at the University of Pennsylvania. And throughout college, I don't think either of us really invested too much, right? No, yeah, I really wasn't investing. It's one of those things where I kind of like to understand the state of the market as in like, the Dow or the NASDAQ or the S&P is up or they're down. But I myself wasn't buying stocks. Right. You know, my, the only stock I did buy, which is funny, junior year with one of our other friends, Bill, who we'll interview eventually, we bought Netflix at two at 180 a share. I remember that. That was like my big investment. I sold at 220 I was like, wow, huge gain. Right. But uh, you know, hindsight would have held. How many stocks did you buy? I bought five shares. Five so shares? Just, just under $1,000 worth. Hey, I mean, that's not bad, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I was in college, I was pretty much 
not investing at all. I think the I think I started my Roth IRA junior year of college, and I wasn't interested in investing in stocks whatsoever. And I guess we'll fast forward a little bit. We graduated in 2018. You graduated in 2018. Both in the track team. Both did very well. I mean, we can talk about that, but that's not really what you guys want in the show. And uh, fast forward three years later, I go into real estate, mostly uh, construction management, multifamily construction, Philadelphia. Jimmy, you want to tell him a little bit what you did after graduation? <laughs> yeah, so Luke did well. I uh, My GPA was not that good. I would have been an investment banker consulting if my GPA was better. <laughs> Especially as a working grad. Right? I, exactly. So um, my I had many jobs since college. I worked in the home healthcare sector out on Long Island. We basically, you know, were just supplying AIDS to old people. Um, after that, I joined a startup with my friend for picking up and delivering laundry as well as categorizing clothes. Which is in Philadelphia. Which is in Philadelphia. And then after that, I uh, now work at this company called Bellhop. We're a moving company. Uh, I was living in Atlanta for a little bit. Now I'm back in Philly as the, uh, the manager here. But uh, I've had my hat in a lot of different industries since college. Right. But uh, all in like operational roles. Yeah, whereas when I graduated, I knew I wanted to get into real estate and uh, multifamily construction right away. So I originally I interned for my cousin, who was an owner's rep in Philadelphia. And then I got a job at a GC, um, general contractor, uh, general contractor design firm outside of Philadelphia. Worked there for about a year and a half. Then after that, I worked at Grit Construction as a project manager, construction manager in Philadelphia, building multifamily construction homes, which is still what I do today. And that is when Jimmy, when he was working in Atlanta for Bellhops, relocated to Philadelphia. So I bought my first house at 22, about eight months after graduating from college. Or not eight months, about six months, November after graduating from college in 2018. And then Jimmy ended up moving in with me. Um, that June. That June. Like seven months later. Right. And then you moved to Atlanta and then you moved back. Yes. So now. I've been bouncing around. Right. A lot. Here we are again. We're both in Philadelphia. I work for a general contractor in project management. Jimmy works for Bell Hops, a moving startup as a operations manager. Well, yeah. you're, you're basically the only manager in Philadelphia. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we have all the guys here, but I'm the only like corporate person here. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, those are all jobs, right? That's the that's the W two world. I feel like that's the the rat race that everyone's trying to escape. But what we're trying to do with this show and with our own personal lives is kind of explore, explain our path, and kind of get tips and tricks as well as advice from people that we interview about how to get out of the rat race and use the money you've accumulated from your job to provide yourself with financial freedom. Right. So I'll guess I'll dive into like my investing world, like my experience from the beginning. My biggest thing, um, like my, my intro to investing was in 2018, uh, after college when I had my first job, started collecting paychecks. And I was just like, you know, I had all this money coming in now. So I was like, all right, well, I got to start investing it. You know, that's what you're told to do, especially when you go to college. Like, especially when you went to Wharton, it's all about investing in finance and shit like that. Right. So I was buying stocks, and uh, I remember like one of the first stocks I bought after college was Alibaba. I bought a lot of Apple, bought a lot of uh, Microsoft as well. Figured like those are good companies. 
they're gonna return the uh, you know probably at or above market average they're very strong names they're gonna be around for decades to come um, but then I like you know as I kept on investing I'd be like oh like you know this week I gained ten dollars on my shares of Alibaba I was like holy shit like, right. that's nothing I could you know just work an extra 10 minutes hypothetically to make that money you know like right. that's not that's not going to get you the financial freedom so I was just like you know stumbling on all these internet forums things like that um, then it, I stumbled upon Wall Street Bets on Reddit back in summer what, 2018 when was this? summer 2018 right. and I learned this thing called options trading right. I was like holy shit options trading you can earn and people would post all their their win and loss porn as they say on Wall Street Bets and people are posting gains of like 600, 700% on these call options they bought. I was like, holy shit. You know, a 7x gain off $1,000, that's like seven grand. Like that they is make it look so easy. Yeah. Right? They're like, like, this is great. So I started trying buying options. Um, and it was good for me. I, I remember the first option I bought, it was a put, uh, it was a put option on uh, 1-800-PET-MEDS back in... I think it was their uh, second quarter earnings results in 2018. I remember I, I put in uh, $360 for the, the put, and I sold it the next day for 950 because they reported super bad earnings. The stock plummeted. Right. So I made a lot of money off. I was like, holy shit. I was like, I just made almost like, you know, basically a week's salary from doing fucking nothing. From what you were making in college. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, like, this is like nothing. This is like easy. I was like, why doesn't everyone do this? So I started getting more and more into options trading. Um, I got burned a lot of times. Then I was like, all right, I have developed this legit addiction to options trading. So I got to supplement this income somehow. I got to supplement my and at, and at what point was this? Well, this is still This was still senior year if I... Uh, no, this is still after graduation when I started options trading. Right. Um, and I knew I had to supplement my, my craving for getting into options. So I started Uber driving. Right. I started delivering for Uber Eats. Um... And I used all that money to basically buy these options. On top of working? On top of working. Working, I, I started using that for more like safer stuff because I was getting burned a lot. Um, so I kept on Uber driving. Um, I had all this money accumulated. I was buying options, selling options. Long story short, after two years of basically doing strictly options trading, not even buying stocks anymore. I wasn't buying any stocks. Uh, after two years, I was down 30 grand. Right. Summer 2020... I was down $30,000 in my Robinhood account. Uh, purely from just being an inexperienced options trader, not knowing what the fuck was going on. And I think that kind of like sheds light on the dangers of trading options, right? Because a lot of people are... You see all these TikTok people and all these Instagram guys saying you can make 1,000 times returns trading options, you know, calls and puts and all that stuff. And most people, most people get burnt at some point. Like, especially when you're shorting a stock, like when you're shorting a stock and there's some sort of catalyst, you're instantly burned. So I guess that brings us to our point is, when did you start getting into OTC swing trading? So after, you know, my Robinhood, like, gains, were, not even gains, my losses just amounted to $30,000. Like, I was 24 years old, basically. I had a negative $30,000, like, win-loss on my portfolio. I was like, holy shit. 
You gotta change your strategy. I gotta change my strategy. Like doing this quote unquote investing <laughs> was losing me money, whereas everyone else is making money, especially in 2020. I remember being such a fucking idiot because the stock market is on the rise, rampage upwards. I was shorting the pen stock because I thought pen casinos are closed. Why would you do that? And I bought the pen stock. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I was doing all the wrong things. So I was like, all right, I have to reevaluate my strategy. So August 2020. I had another $30,000 still laying around, pretty much all the money I had. I was like, all right, I have to reevaluate my strategy. I have to think about what I'm buying and not buy options because, like you said, when the options expire, it's gone. There's no money left. Right. At least when the stock tanks. Contract runs up. Yeah. At least when the stock tanks, you still retain the stock and can bag hold, quote unquote. So in August of 2020, I uh, reevaluated my strategy. I left Robinhood because. Um, I was only using for options trading, and I decided to get into the OTC markets. I and why? Up. Why did you choose OTC? Because of the percent returns that you could. Have yeah, it, that that was the logic. Because the OTC, I thought, was still. It was comparable it, to what you could get in options trading. Yes, right? I thought it had the potential gains of options trading, with a bit less risk. Mm-hmm. Still, a lot of risk in the OTC world, but at least your shares, assuming they're in it, not a bullshit company, they will still be there. Yeah, they right. won't go to zero um, right away, which is an option they do expire and go to zero. So I, uh, I switched up my strategy. I got into OTC trading. I opened an E-Trade account, put my money in there, and um, that's kind of been my strategy since. Um, I basically put all my money into the stock called Vamonti, and right. luckily it's been going up since. VMNT. Yeah, luckily it's been going up since, so that's keeping me afloat. But um, So let's, let's backtrack a little bit. So... Jimmy basically gave up options trading in August of 2020. He did a lot of research. He found this Vietnamese fintech company called Vamonti, right? You invested not $1,000, not $2,000, not $10,000, $30,000 into this one company. Why? So my logic is at the conservative approach of investing that a lot of people take, you're going to be a normal guy. Like, you're just right. you're going to have that lifestyle of getting your 8 to 12% return every year. Right. Yeah, the theory is, like, why invest, why work every single year of your life hoping to get not even 8 to 12, I would say 6 to 10% historically in the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or any index fund you're going to invest in over the next 30 years to maybe... Probably, but maybe become a millionaire at the age of 60. When you can catalyze those results and become a millionaire at the age of 30, 25, 26, 27. And that's the reason why I think, Jimmy, you took the plunge and invested into one ticker with 30 grand, which is pretty much your remaining, you know, remaining balance in your bank account. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the way I see it is... The, the safe investing approach, I think, is a very smart one in that you're not going to go broke ever doing it. But my thought process was, I'm young. I could work. In this new day and age where people can work from home, you're not in a factory slaving away. You're working at home. You can work till you're freaking 80 years old. And you do work at home. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, all right, well, this is like nothing. This is not a physical strain in any capacity whatsoever. Right. So I can, I can keep, you know, people can do this till they're old as hell. So I'm like, well, might as well take a risk 
to try and get rich <laughs> right. while I'm younger and see what happens. Right. You know, if it, if it all goes down south, I mean, that'll suck. But I would hate myself if it were to go up and I didn't buy in. So my, my whole investing philosophy is I think it should be based upon your life position. I have no children. I have no wife. I have no one that relies on me for anything. So the approach I'm taking to this, uh, like this quote-unquote financial freedom path is to assume as much risk as possible and to uh, increase my uh, like potential ROI by uh, aggressively researching stocks and individual companies mm-hmm. as well as cryptocurrencies. Especially in the OTC. You especially, can find major winners. Yep, especially the OTC. And pretty much just uh, going all in. So I think... Thinking about what Jimmy did, right? So Jimmy did options trading for, what, two years after college. Lost about $30,000. They decided, yo, I'm going to go into the OTC. I'm going to research tickers and find one or two or three or four or five that are going to produce 1,000x returns in the next one or two years. So Jimmy found this one stock called Vimonti, which he put in his entire life savings into in August of 2020. So Jimmy invested in this company, Vimonti, right? I was working. I was, you know, saving. I was putting money into my Roth IRA, my 401k. I wasn't really thinking about stock trading or OTC investing or any of that kind of stuff, right? And when Jimmy told me about Vimonti, I was in I was in a Chicago. We were both in Chicago. We Labor visiting, Day weekend. Yeah, Labor Day weekend of 2020. We were visiting our friend Ian, who was a fellow Wharton... Uh, track alum and they were all skeptical right and Ian's roommate who is from Vietnam which is what Vimonti is based in was also very skeptical and Jimmy stuck to his guns he put all of his money in Vimonti and come around February of 2021 Vimonti stock hits about two dollars and 78 cents I think it was 274 274 was the all-time high so Jimmy's $30,000 investment all of a sudden turned into over $400,000. And luckily, I got into that stock in November because of Jimmy. And ever since November, I was very into the OTC. And that's really when I started getting involved. Like, we're, we're I mean, we're both relatively early investors into this market. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I had, I had maybe like, I don't even know. 10,000 shares of Amanti and it went up to 278. I was up like $20,000 in the matter of, you know, two months. I was like, this is absurd. Like the amount of returns you can get in the OTC compared to investing your Roth IRA, $6,000 max, 401k with like a, you know, I don't know, 10% company match every year. It's insane. I mean, you can make so much more than you'd ever make in 20 years in the matter of a couple of months if you're willing to take that risk and do the research and that is when i was hooked yeah so you know what luke i think let's do a little bit more of like a uh, a deep dive in your investing experience like so you said you were basically an ira 401k guy working working 40 40 plus hours a week saving i know your mentality is always like you're very heavy in the real estate game as in, like, you bought the house. Right. You're collecting rent from the roommates and things like that. But that was, like, I guess your thought process behind achieving financial freedom, right? That right. you thought real estate was the avenue. You know, yeah, I mean, I think I 
personally grew up in a very conservative household. You know, it was you work every day, you work, you know, 40 plus hours a week, you save, you contribute to retirement, you retire at 65, and you're probably a millionaire, but you're not going to be extremely wealthy. But Jimmy enlightened me to the fact that you can make these insane returns in the stock market with a little bit of research. And that little bit of research can contribute to insane gains. So, I mean, that's when I, that's when I switched, you know. But. So I guess, like, my question then to you would be, what would you feel, or what do you think is the ideal path for financial freedom? Like, what is the, the what are the avenues that you think that someone should take to get this goal? Right. So I guess it depends on what your goal is, right? But like, say your goal is a million dollars, right? And you're, say you're 20 years old. Mm-hmm. There's a few ways you can get there, right? You can get a job, you can go in corporate America, you can go to college, you can get a decent job, you can make, I don't know, $80,000 a year out of college. You can save every year, you have, a, you have rent, you have your phone, you have car insurance, you have all those other expenses, so maybe you're saving like $2,000 a month. That $2,000 a month, if you're contributing to your 401k, could be, you know, $2 million at 60. Or you can realize, hey, I'm 20 years old. I have no risk. I have, you know, zero children to provide for. I don't have a wife. I can take that $2,000 extra a month and invest it into OTC stocks or crypto, which we're getting into now, and you can make... 10 times, 20 times, you know, 500 times, 1,000x returns. So my thought process is, right, I mean, this is me personally. I think you should pay off your debt, one. I think you should pay off your bad debt. I think you should leverage real estate debt to make money. I think if you can buy a house and you can cash flow it, you can have roommates, you can house hack, as they say, you can make money that way. Or you can buy rental properties, you can cash flow it that way. But I think the quickest way to wealth would be through OTC stocks because you can have these insane returns. You can put, let's, okay, let's, let's use like Dogecoin, for example, right? I know it's an extreme example, but that was at, you know, way below one cent for the last, I don't even know how long, December and before that, way below one cent, all over the internet. If you would have bought $1,000 with a Dogecoin in December, It'd be worth just about $100,000 today at 50 cents. Like, that's insane. Like, the way that you can make money today compared to how it used to be is totally different, Mm -hmm. right? So I think you have to kind of shift the way you look at things. Whereas in, like, like us, Jimmy and I as millennials, we have parents who are, you know, they're boomers, right? So they grew up thinking you have to work every single day. You have to work eight hours a day. You have to put all of your money into your 401k, and then eventually, if you work hard enough, you can become a millionaire. Whereas now, in the millennial day and age, you can find these few cryptocurrencies, OTC stocks, maybe even some NASDAQ stocks, and make these massive returns and become financially free by the age of 30, or even before the age of 30. So I think it just comes down to the, the risk-reward ratio, you know? Well, like, yeah, I, that's what it all comes down to. That's yeah. That's how really much are you willing to risk for the potential reward? 
And some people are willing to risk more and they'll make a larger reward. And some people are willing to risk less and they'll make less reward. And sometimes they'll get burned. I mean, you know, I mean, Jimmy, yeah, you got I've... burned in the OTC. I mean, I got burned in a few OTC stocks this year. We all get burned. But it's it's making sure that the, the winners outpace the losers. And that's what we got to diversify. Yeah, and I mean, my personal philosophy is, assuming you don't use margin, <laughs> the most you can you should lose... never trade on margin. Yeah, the, well... I At least on OTC. But the most you can possibly lose is 100% of the investment, right? That's the most you can lose. Your right. gains could hypothetically be infinite. Mm-hmm. You know, hypothetically, they could be infinite. So why not put yourself in that position when you have nothing to lose? Again, like I said to you and to my other friends before, if I had $0 tomorrow, that would fucking suck. There's no way around it. Yeah, it would suck. But my life would not fundamentally change. No. You know, I would still be able to get a job. I would still be able to, like, you know, have an income and things like that. I would just be delayed in my potential financial freedom or potential retirement, things like that. Um, so, in my eyes, the risk of losing everything is worth the reward of having no more uh, oversight in my life. And I think that's kind of like the, the goal of this day and age like the people of today, it's the concept of like freedom. And, you know, this is the United States. Like we're supposed to be as free as you possibly can. The The structure of the W2 world is, I think, I, my personal opinion is like the structure that's dying. The, the idea of being employed is actually like a dumb idea going forward. Like the right. rise of contract work is becoming very apparent. You right. can see with like Uber, the gig economy. Fiverr. Well yeah, software engineering, they're all basically becoming 1099 contractors now, not even employees. So if you're able to develop skills or at least put in time to, you know, work these extra jobs to just gain additional income, and then you use that income to try to reap massive rewards in cryptocurrency investing or stock investing or real estate investing or whatever, maybe a entrepreneurial venture, you will have much greater returns in a less amount of time. Right. You just got to be willing to take the risk, right? Yeah. And I think people, I think there's like a, it's like a, it's a human psychology element that people have to understand. I mean, I, I love the concept of working. I think working is a good thing. But at the end of the day, the employer-employee relationship is an adversarial one. The employer wants to pay you as little as they possibly can to get as much work out of you as possibly can. Whereas the employee wants to work as little as possible and make as much money as possible. That's right. just that's just human the, nature. Yeah, that's the the polar ends of the spectrum. So in that in understanding that that's the reality of the situation, you have to leverage yourself in that to gain as much wealth as possible. Whether that is right. doing the gig work, because that is your work is based on how much you work. The, the pay you get is how much you work. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, to your point, like this day and age, there's so many ways to make money. That that's almost not true. I feel like we can't be like sitting our fucking asses and doing nothing and not reaping the benefits that people 100 years ago would dream of having. The idea of investing from your phone instead of having to wire a message I mean, to someone even, in New York to buy a stock for you. You even think like 50 years ago you had to have a broker to make any trade deals. Yeah. Now you can just literally bring out your phone, you can have a broker jab, which more often than not has... Literally zero commission. You can make any trade you want. 
granted, you have to pay short-term capital gains, but... On your wins. On your wins, yeah. But it, it's it's so easy now. It's insane. Yeah, it's too easy, um, let alone. And then, like, you, you want to throw on top of that reality we live in, the coronavirus, which I think is the catalyst for so much of this asset appreciation. People have been getting stimulus checks. People have been, um, you know, the Federal Reserve has just been pumping out liquidity to uh, stabilize asset prices. Now we're starting to see the rise of inflation due to like the velocity of money increasing. Right. But um, it's like in this world that we live in today, you have to own assets if you want to get money. You cannot just keep your money in a savings account or a checking account. That will no, you will you'll lose, you'll lose money on inflation. It will yeah, it will be less in a year from now than it is today. So mm-hmm. you have to put it into assets, and I think that's what we're trying to. I, I think that's something that we realized, right? You and I both. And we're trying to, um, like, I guess, basically talk about it on our journey with people throughout Twitter and throughout, like, the internet that we interact with and uh, try and uh, spread the knowledge, <laughs> you know. I feel like a lot of people are, like, are picking this up. And, I mean, I picked it up from other people on Twitter. Um, but there's still so many other people that just don't get it. They don't understand right. it yet. And the more people that do understand yeah, it, I mean, the better off. I, th- I think the thing is, like, there's so many people who hate on stock trading right like how many people are like oh you're just gambling your money you're just gambling your money away i'm like no i'm not really like if you go to the casino and you you play a slot machine you're gambling there's a certain amount of returns that you're going to get on every spin of the wheel in the house right? is the advantage in the house is the advantage whereas in stock trading you have the ability to research a stock like you have i mean you have 10k's you have all this information that's coming out monthly you have you know prs you have all these reports that are coming out on these stocks you know generally what's going on right you can make an educated decision and enter into a stock with the anticipation the stock is going to go up granted there's a lot of you know there's a lot of psychology going around it too you know and there's the fed with inflation all that kind of stuff but generally you can make an educated decision on which stocks are the best stocks to buy and to me that is a much better gamble you can make than investing long-term into an index fund over the next 30 years, hoping to God you're going to get 9%, 8%, 7% returns and maybe make some money in the long-term while working a job that you hate. Yeah. Right? Yep, Luke, I completely agree. And I think what we're trying to accomplish with this show is you and I both don't know much at all when it comes to trading. There's still a lot more technical analysis that we can learn for the day traders out there, which we hope to be able to interview to understand, you know, moving averages, volume increases, trading on catalysts, things like that. There's a lot more knowledge that we're trying to accumulate and we hope to be able to share with all the people that listen to the show. Um, But I think we have at least the, we've kind of like sipped like, or had like the red pill pill in the idea that we now understand that Wealth is not accumulated through labor. Wealth is accumulated through asset purchase, through right. investing. Now that we understand that that's how wealth is accumulated, I think what we want to accomplish with this show is our path to learning how to actually capitalize on this. How and to that's, capitalize that's my, on gains, right. Yeah, how to capitalize on trends in the market, how to understand technical analysis, how to understand like, you know, the idea of I don't know, any little cast, like a coronavirus vaccine being manufactured, things like that, like understanding a bunch of 
um, like news that is related to the market, technical analysis that's related to individual stocks, and how we can make money from it. There's a lot of people out there on Twitter that are doing this right now. Right. My, I myself, I, I had a lot of success in 2020 when it comes to investing, but... Um, 2021, too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. More, more so. Part. But... Um, I still don't really have an understanding of technicals. I don't really have an understanding of, uh, like, understanding uh, the trends in the stock market. I hope... And that's okay, though, right? It's okay, yeah. But that's, like, a tool in the arsenal that's not being utilized yet. With this show, we will teach ourselves, as well as our viewers, how to use that tool to make more money. Because that's what it is at the end of the day, financial freedom. Yeah. Yeah, I think the entire point of Slap the Ass Show is just basically to talk with each other about our financial journey and how we're doing with our investments. And also what we want to do is we both have a, you know, we both have a Twitter platform where we're interacting with other traders on a daily basis. We want to, you know, we want to figure out what makes those people good traders and how can we learn from that. Right? So I mean, we're not. I, we've we've had some. I mean, we've we've had some good luck in the stock market this year. And some L's though. And some L's. We have had we've had some L's. But I mean, overall, the profits have been greater than the losses, and we're making real money. We're you know we're making progress in our lives, and we just want to share that journey with uh, the listeners, and hopefully we're going to be able to interview, you know, more Twitter personalities, more traders. Be able to learn from them what they're doing, and they can help us to better our skill set. Yeah, I agree. And so. like even within like our own personal networks, we have a lot of people that know a lot of shit. Right. You know, we have we do. Uh, we have friends that have started businesses. We have friends who are working at startups. We have friends that are working in corporate finance at Fortune 500 companies. You know, mm-hmm. we have a network that kind of transcends the the, uh, the typical I- network. Not, yeah, yeah, it, it transcends that, but also we have people in all aspects of a financial journey within our own personal space. So we want to interview these people. We have a lot of like knowledgeable friends that are also like investing in things I wouldn't even think about investing, like pharmaceutical stocks, or investing in collectibles, or investing in um, vending machines and laundromats. You know, like there's so many paths to financial freedom. Luke and I just found the OTC markets and cryptocurrency to be our path. But we want to open up our eyes as well as the eyes of the listeners to a whole, um, a whole catalog of ways to achieve financial freedom. Right. And I think that's the goal. You know, everyone wants financial freedom. Yeah, I, I saw a great tweet. I forgot the account that tweeted. I, I should shout him out. But back in like you know the eighties and nineties, the sign of being rich was driving the Benz and right. having the big house. I think in the, our you know, this generation, the, uh, the idea of being rich is having your time to do whatever you want and being able to travel. And that's yeah. really what I want. That's Personal freedoms, right? Mm-hmm. The, goal is not, the goal is not really to be rich and to be able to flaunt your wealth. Like, I mean, you see a lot of these Twitter personalities. It's always like, oh, I bought the new Lamborghini. I bought the new Ferrari. I bought the new house. For us, our goal is to just be financially free, to do what we want without the W-2 paycheck and the ways you can do that now in today's age are so much easier than they've ever been before you can literally click a trade on your phone 
and make 1,000x returns in the matter of months. And we're going to try to help you find those trades, find the people to help you make those trades, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. Yep. Every We want everyone who listens to the show to get rich. We want to get rich. That's why we're here. Right. We're going to sell you some bullshit. We're here to make some fucking Full transparency. Money. Yep. We're not going to lie about anything. We're not going to talk about anything that we haven't done. Mm-hmm. Open and honest. And uh, I'm very excited to see where it goes, Luke. I think it's going to be a fun time. I think we're going to learn a lot. And I think that everyone involved with this will make some more money. I agree, Jimmy. So, guys, that concludes the uh, first episode of Slap the Ask Show. We're basically just talking about ourselves and our philosophy on why we're why we're why we're in trading and why we're doing what we're doing. But uh, hopefully, in the future, we're going to be interviewing more other Twitter personalities, getting into you know the depths of trading, why we're trading, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think starting next week, like this is the intro. This is like, like I said, the the purpose of the show, as well as a little, little bit about ourselves. Next week, we start getting into the nitty gritty. We actually right. dive deep into stocks, what we're trading, crypto, what we're trading, and we uh, we have the interviews going, and we try to figure out how to make some money. Right. Yep. Sounds right. good, Jimmy. Luke, cheers to that. All the listeners, cheers. thank you, Andre, for producing. And, uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for tuning in. It's going to be a fun time. And uh, hope to see you next week. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Ended.